Hi there, and welcome to Satisfied Self Podcast, a podcast for persistent women who are trying to kick butt at life by better understanding and conquering their struggles one day at a time. I'm Caitlin, and I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker in private practice in Boston, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Satisfied Self. So we're here today on episode 15, uh, where we are going to be talking about the pressures of being a young 20 or 30 something year old woman. Last week, I posted a mini episode where I talked about what to do when an opportunity presents itself. I talked about asking questions, uh, asking yourself a few questions that often come up in conversations with my clients as they try to figure out which path to take. And those questions are mostly focused on knowing yourself and figuring out which opportunity feels like the right one for you. So today's episode follows a similar vein on knowing yourself versus basing your decision off of those around you. As you know, I see mostly young women in my practice. Many of the women I see are in the period of their lives where they may be ready to move up in their careers. Uh, They may be starting to think about what maybe settling down looks like for them. They might be wondering if their current relationship is leading in the direction they want it to. And many of them are definitely looking to their peers to gauge how they're doing in comparison with other young women in their circles. Whether those circles are their inner circles, their Facebook circles, or just people they see around them on their walk to and from work, they are definitely comparing. Uh, They look to these other women to try to get a sense of how they're doing, and most of the time this comparison game can get pretty overwhelming and create sometimes more confusion and questions than it it answers. We live in a society that celebrates individualism, paving your own path, and self-reliance. You're supposed to be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but our biology actually tells us something different. Um, Our biological wiring for being a part of a group is super strong. We are very social creatures and it's so strong that we will almost do anything to fit in. We have a natural drive to want to fit into the paradigms that our society builds around us so that we don't become outcasts. We're, like I said, we're social creatures who naturally look to others for comparison to be sure that we're not straying too far from the norm and jeopardizing our place in the social web. Now, I don't necessarily look to Huffington Post as a gold standard research depository, but I do want to highlight an example of how strong a drive we have to conform um, that is brought out in a post um, by Michael Taft on HuffPost. So we often sway to group pressure. And there are some now famous experiments that were done in the 1950s that show this really well. Um, And Michael Taft talks about this in in his post that I'll uh, link to in the show notes on my website. Um, So researchers had participants match up images of lines according to their length. They had actually planted some fake participants in the group, um, and those fake participants said that certain lines didn't match when they obviously did. It was just lines on a piece of paper, and they were supposed to match in length. So when the real participant later was asked to match the lines, the their answers matched those of the fake participants, despite those answers being obviously wrong. So in this instant, the participant was so swayed by fear of standing apart and the desire to conform that they threw away their own answers to support those in the majority, despite their best knowledge telling them that that answer was wrong. So this is one explanation for why it can be easy to find ourselves getting caught up in the comparison. Our brains are wired to conform so that we're not cast out from the group. 
Um, You might think that you've outgrown adolescence, that peer pressure is a thing of the past, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the drive to fit in is gone. We still biologically have instincts that want to prevent us from breaking free from the group. And another idea that comes to mind um, in this topic is the idea of the social comparison theory. So this theory says basically that we determine our own social and personal worth based on how we stack up against others around us. So as a result, we're constantly making self and other evaluations across a number of domains, attractiveness, wealth, intelligence, success, job title, all of those things, size of your house, uh, how much you make, all of that. So most of us have the social skills and impulse control to keep our envy and jealousy and social comparisons quiet, but our true feelings might come out in subtle ways like anxiety maybe in your therapist's office. So the question, how am I doing, then becomes how am I doing in relation to how everyone around me is doing? And there is some, was some research done in 2016 that looked at um, if social comparison can be uh, motivating or if it's actually demotivating. So if you compare yourself to someone else who's just a little better than you are, you at whatever it is, uh, maybe dancing or uh, public speaking, whatever it is, you might be energized to improve and catch up with them. But if you compare yourself to someone who is significantly better than you are, say Oprah, if we're talking about uh, public speaking, you might feel like no matter how hard you work, you will never measure up to their example. In this research, they had students evaluate essays written by other students in their course. And about 68% of students who evaluated essays of average quality, they ended up finishing the course. But only 45% of students who evaluated what were considered excellent essays finished the class. So basically what that's saying is that when students read excellent examples of other students' performances and therefore have basically a chance to compare themselves to other students, they are less motivated to finish the class than if they read just average examples of other um, students' essays. They feel like that gap between themselves and this other person is so large that that becomes then demotivating and they basically just end up wanting to give up. So this combination of results suggests that comparing our own performance to that of other people is not always a good idea, even though we're always driven to do it. In particular, when you come across examples of performance that are far better than yours, say if you're just starting out on something for the first time, you have no experience in it, and you're comparing yourself to someone who's an expert or has been doing it for years, it might make you feel like your own abilities will never begin to measure up to that other person's. And in this case, competition can make you less motivated to improve. So we know that we often sway to group pressure and that when we compare ourselves to others who we think are doing much better than us, we feel discouraged. And so this is where I'm going to divert for a moment to talk about the slippery slope effect of social media on the social comparison theory. So let's hold these two ideas uh, while we think about how social media can amplify the pressures that young 20 and 30-somethings are feeling. We know that the lives of people um, that are projected on social media are absolutely not realistic. I mentioned some research in a very early on episode of Satisfied Self um, that looked at how often people have posts that mention expensive cars and awesome vacations 
versus doing the dishes and commuting to and from work. And we know that what we post is not representative of our real lives. We post about fun, interesting things way more frequently than they maybe naturally occur. And we omit the things and the days when we feel down. We filter out the breakout, maybe that we're battling on our chin. And we show images of a life that we wish we had more than the one that we actually have. So when young women look to their virtual circles to try to figure out how they're doing in comparison with their peers, these misrepresentations distort their measures and can really easily demotivate more than motivate. So a little word for the wise is remember that social media is not reality, that when you're feeling the pressures of engagements or new jobs or babies or whatever it is, comparing your life to the lives of others on social media, know that that that's not an accurate measure, that those people, those lives that you're seeing are projected are not the full story. So for all of these reasons, and I'm sure for many more, I hear a lot of distorted thinking that everyone else has it all figured out. My clients look around them and think that everyone else uh, in the group is charging ahead with those new jobs, with getting engaged, with getting married, with getting pregnant, while they are being left behind, getting further and further away from the group norm. So this drive coupled coupled with their judgment about what is the quote-unquote right thing to be doing at this stage of life, which I hear a lot of, both of those things can create a pretty uncomfortable place to be if you aren't falling in step. So the good news is that most of my clients, when we, when we really get to talking, start to also articulate their personal questions and thoughts on what that kind of right thing is to be doing at this point in their lives. Some of them can articulate their own reasons why, um, for why also getting a promotion is personally important to them or why finding a serious partner is something that feels like it fits into their lives beyond just the fact that everyone else is doing it. And then some other people start to actually even question if this is, these are the things they really want um, anyway. Like, what if I don't want to be gunning for a promotion? What if I'm happy pursuing non-serious relationships for a while? So what to do when you're in this stage of life and trying to measure up against others who um, to see how you're doing. One is try not to gather your sense of self-worth from external accomplishments like engagements or marriage or baby or jobs, um, especially not when you're comparing it to other people. Remember that 50% of marriages don't work out and that having kids is a really hard and big commitment. It's not all about getting to that milestone and saying you've done it. You are experiencing other freedoms and enjoyments that people who've made those commitments maybe don't get anymore or maybe have a different sense of it. And actually, research is showing that just 26% of millennials are married today. So when they were um, the age that millennials are today, Generation Xers, which is typically uh, Generation Xers and baby boomers, who are the generations above the millennials, 36 and 48% of them were married by this time. So don't compare yourself to your parents either. (laughs) Life is so different now than it was when they were your age. My second piece of advice is don't let fear rule you. I think I mentioned this in last week's kind of mini episode, that if you figure out that you're leaning towards the path that is safest, most comfortable, most known, or it's the thing that everyone else is doing, ask yourself why. If you're in a long-term relationship and all of your friends are getting engaged 
and you start to think about, is this the right thing for me and my partner to do? Ask yourself why. Don't just look to the people around you. And identify what might be scary about this question of, you know, is this right for me? Um, Is it that there's some part of the decision that's unknown? Is it that there's something there that's triggering you? Is it a feeling of this is maybe more than I can handle? Really get comfortable with asking yourself, kind of tapping into what's holding me back and what am I so afraid of as I begin to kind of make my way through these decisions while this pressure is on from everyone around me. The third thing is to know that there is no right way to be living your life. I said this last week too, that sometimes I hear a lot in conversations that young women really want to know that they're making the right decisions. The reality is there is no right decision. It's just that making one decision over another is going to probably bring you down a different path, not necessarily one that's more right than the other. So don't be afraid if you can't know which, which thing is the right thing to do. So when you're feeling the pressures of young adulthood, know that some of it is biological. We're driven to want to conform and that some of it is based on misrepresentations of how successful everyone else is around you and that the best way to figure out what's going to make you happy is basing your decisions on the direction you want your life to go in, not what everyone else looks like they're doing around you. So thanks for joining me this week, and I will see you here next Friday for the next episode of the Satisfied Self podcast. In the meantime, I encourage you to visit my website at satisfiedself.com to listen to previous podcasts and to check out some of the other things that I offer on there. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Satisfied Self. I will see you guys here next week. Thanks so much. <laughs>